Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recoveringto.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering, too. Hello, everyone. We are so excited today for you to hear our episode. It is a private conversation between Alex and her dad. They speak about the current situation of Alex living with her dad at this moment because her father is with someone who is in current heroin addiction and active use. We also get to hear about them speak about Alex's childhood and maybe the alcohol that her father was involved in then. And then personally, I think the last 10 minutes are gold. It is just such a wonderful conversation between father and daughter, and you get to hear some really neat things. Hope you enjoy. Hello. There we go. Technical difficulty. Oh my lord. <laughs> it's Sunday. I know. So, um, hey, you're on the podcast. I know, right? We're sitting in my master bedroom closet on the floor. <laughs> I, get to, I get to share my troubles. I know. Well. Our no. dilemma, should I say. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Is it is it hard to uh, talk about it like this? No. No, not at all. I think... Uh, Sometimes sharing in an event um, promotes growth and in in understanding of of the opposite sex thought process. Okay. <laughs> well, that is um, interesting because typically, I mean, you know, this podcast is me and two of my girlfriends, and most of the people we have on the podcast are women who are dealing with their addictive partner. So it is interesting that you're a man dealing with your female addicted partner so it's hopefully a different perspective but um well I thank you for coming on I know that sometimes this is hard to talk about and um I hope that sharing your story could help someone else or even help you talk about it more the more you talk about it hopefully it's more helpful um before we jump in so I have been I don't know if I told you but I've been talking about you and Kathy since I mean for a while on the podcast so for people that have been listening this isn't the first time around but I want to start at the beginning from your perspective and kind of get an idea from you of just tell us about your relationship and how it started and like your guys's history and um how you started to discover or when you started noticing things were amiss and how you started putting the pieces together. 
I believe the first four years were just fantastic. I mean, we're just like two peas in a pod. Yeah. And, uh, but as time went on, I've noticed, I was noticing things, um, just didn't feel right. It's, it seemed like there was some secrecy going on there that it didn't make sense to me, but mm. I couldn't really put my finger on what that was. But further down the road, um, I started, then I started figuring it all out that, um, uh, she was, um, purchasing, uh, narcotics or whatever she was using to, to fill her addiction mm-hmm. needs. And as, and as course, as everyone knows, the more you, the longer you do it, the more you need mm-hmm. and you just can't get enough of it. And then it came to the point to where we used to go to the grocery store every Saturday or Sunday or whatever. And, and then when she's, when I was told that when she informed me she was going to the store, she'd be gone. Like I was not allowed to go. She said, I want to speed by myself. I've been, I just want to be, just want to do it. I'll just go. I'll, oh, wait, I'll so just go. She didn't want you to go with her. No. Did you no, guys uh, used to go together? All the time. Yep. Oh, and so when did that just like suddenly About stop? two years back. Yeah. It, it got that way. And I'm thinking, okay, everybody needs their little space. You know, go yeah. browsing around or, you know. Right. The women thing. And, uh, but she'd be gone like six hours, seven hours. And uh, come back with. Just a couple of bags of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, where you been? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? And she would never give me an answer. And, and it started bringing up. That's when it really started bringing up some really serious red flags. And, um, and that was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. And uh, there was one time I just I I didn't really want to like. Um, what do you call um, follow her yeah. to see what she was doing where she was truly going mm-hmm. but this one day it was really it was under my skin she's been gone she's gone all day still gone it was almost eight hours and uh, so I sent her a text I said well, hey where are you at oh I'm hanging out with my friend Joe and I'm thinking alright mm-hmm. so I drive over there I drove over there. I drove past. I'd been stopping. It. I mean, not like that. But uh, my 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 vehicle wasn't there, and I'm thinking, if she's here, and it was only like 15 minutes later, where's she at now? Mm-hmm. I mean, where'd she go? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I confronted her to her when, that evening when she got back, finally got home, and uh, were you following? Oh, so defensive, so defensive. Yeah. And I'm thinking. Nah, I'm going to stop right there. How it's, long ago was this? Uh, last, It was last year. Okay. Not during the pandemic. The year before? No, it was during the pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was last year. But, and then just a whole bunch of other stuff. It's, it's just, it didn't make sense to me. Okay. So then go back a little bit further, though, because I feel like... So you and Kathy were high school sweethearts. 
Oh. Well, I didn't know it was going to go back that far. Well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I know, like my perception of yes. the relationship. Oh, like, yeah. So you guys were like high school sweethearts, but mm-hmm. something, you were actually getting in trouble for your drinking. Oh, yeah. I was a party animal then. And you were getting into some trouble with the law. And Kathy, you were dating Kathy at the time. Mm-hmm. And she was unhappy with your behavior oh, and yeah. basically broke up with you oh, because yeah. you didn't have your shit together. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, so very true. And then you met my mom and you guys got pregnant with me shortly after and then you got married mm-hmm. and all of that. So after you and mom divorced, you and Kathy a few years later met each other, like like reconnected, right? About eight Through, years later. Yeah. And then um, at that point, though... I feel like I knew from the very beginning that she, like, said that she struggled with back pain and chronic pain. She never had a job. And I always assumed she was, like, on disability for her pain. Like, she had all these back neck problems, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So you knew that at the beginning. Did you know that she was on prescription medications for those things? Was she on prescription medications at that point? I don't really... I didn't really ask. Okay. I figured, you know, medical condition, you know, you're taking some prescription drugs to counteract the, the pain, you know, it is what it is, but it didn't seem to be later on down the road, later on years down the road, I've learned that uh, she, she had always had this issue mm-hmm. and she's had always been doing opioids mm-hmm. one way or another. Okay. Um, so that was always going on. That was always going on, but I, I just wasn't aware of the severity. Yeah. Of it. And then it's also interesting. So I'm kind of stepping back before this last year when all of this has kind of come to a head. But so I, I met Kathy on my wedding day when yes. I when mm-hmm. I married my husband, who has is in recovery and has struggled with addiction. And it's very interesting how the role she played for me dealing with him because she was always very supportive. She would, um, you know, there were times when I felt like I couldn't reach out to my own mom because of our history with her judgmentalness. And Mm. she just kind of adds, I've talked about a lot in the podcast, but as you can probably imagine, she adds a lot of stress to situations for me. So I don't tell her these things, but Kathy was like st- kind of like my mother figure in these situations. I would call her when, when he was missing, you know, and she came over and she helped me call hospitals and she helped me, you know, talk to the police to file a missing person report. And, you know, she was always very supportive when we kind of organize an intervention. She was there. She's always very just like loving, understanding, and supportive through all of that. So I always really appreciated that. Um, And I felt like she kind of understood, you know, she obviously came from a place where she has friends. I just kind of felt like she knew that she'd been exposed to this type of thing. Oh, she's very exposed to it. And so I just felt very comforted by that with her. Um, And it really wasn't until, I mean, I always assumed she was on pain meds for her back pain. I never, like you, asked questions about it. I did know at one point we lived with you um, 
uh, Charlie and I lived with mm-hmm. you. And um, we, I know, I know he told me at one point that she had taken some of his um, Suboxone. And that was a long time ago. And I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. Um, but I didn't think much of it. And, um, I mean, I knew she was on pain meds, so I guess it just was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, but then it really wasn't until you came over at some point last fall and you were helping us get our house ready to be sold. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting out in my driveway and you kind of spilled all this stuff that I had no idea was going on. Yeah. (laughs) I bet that was a mind blower. (laughs) Yeah. And so let's talk about that. So talk to me about what happened. So that's the, that's the perception I'm going into that conversation with. Someone that, you know, she was like a mother to me. And I knew kind of was dealing with all this, had been very supportive of, you know, my, me and my journey through addiction with my husband. And then we're sitting around and you're telling me what happened in 2020. So why don't you start with how this oh, came to an yeah. end? Yeah, it was, it was insane i don't know what it was that she chose to take i have no idea but um she was going to she's going through this phase where she would not her sentences were scrambled and they didn't make sense and they were ironic screams and carrying on it was just it was insane it was just insane. This got, was happening. You, you were just like ex- observing this happening. Oh yeah, yeah, and and uh, it got to the point to where she was saying she was cold, like she was running a fever, and she, but she wasn't running a fever. She felt like um, she said she was hot, but she was cold. Um, it was just in, it was intense. It, it it was so intense that I called the ambulance the first time, and. Uh, and I thought, I don't know what's going on, but this needs to be addressed. And then, mm-hmm. um, and she fought with the the paramedics, didn't want to go, and and talking gibberish. Mm-hmm. And the, um, I think it was the sheriff's department that came out with the ambulance, because we lived so far away, middle of nowhere, and um, and then they started questioning me telling me this was on a Monday I remember this this was on a Monday when it happened and next thing I know I'm being interrogated mm-hmm. and I'm thinking oh you just uh-uh just you stop yeah it's it's her it's adding it's, stress to an yeah. yeah um so then I felt like I was being a victim but that's beside the point mm-hmm. it was all about her at that time and uh, so they rushed her to the hospital and they she was in there for a couple of days, and this doctor, I just, I just want to give him a hug, because he confirmed so much stuff. Um, he, um, we had a little con- uh, consultation before I went into her room, and mm-hmm. and I met the caseworker and all that. And the doctor just flat out told me, he says, uh, "I did some investigation and." Your fiance, she's uh, she's been she's on opioids, and I and uh, as I go through her files, she hasn't been prescribed. Her last prescription of opioids was back in February, and I'm thinking, what? This is happening over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we're in the middle of summer, and yeah, you know, you're talking eight months, seven months in, and I'm thinking, what the hell is she doing? You know, what am I not catching here? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he 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 told me he goes, this is the way it's gonna go. Either she go get treatment, or she's gonna get in a wreck and kill someone, or she's gonna kill herself from overdose of whatever she's taking. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So, a couple days later, I tried to get the doctor to make her go into rehab, but you know how doctors are. They, they can only hold them for, what, 72 hours or something mm-hmm. like that. So, he exhausted that and he says, I gotta let her go. What was her, uh, like, what state of mind was she in at this point? What was she like during those three days? Talking insane. Really? Still? Insane. No. Um, when she was in the hospital? When she finally, whatever was in her system, it got cleaned out or flushed out or whatever they do. Um, and put it, um, and gave her some medicines and rehydrated her and all this other stuff. Doctor met her and, and brought her and told her what he found. Yeah. And she didn't really say much. Really? Mm-mm. Nope. But she never did go back to that doctor again either. Right. Yeah, because he, she knew that he knew. Yeah, she'd been found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'd been called out on it. When you heard that, was that kind of a validation for you? Did some of the pieces click, or how did you feel? Yeah, start. Then it started coming together. Then, I, then, oh, okay, this makes sense. And, oh yeah, okay. So. um so that was the first time. That was the very first time. What happened after that? Right after that, about a month later. No, tell me about the drive home. The what? The drive home. Oh, this is a, this this was a different one. Oh, okay. That's a different one. Okay. Um, All right, go ahead. Month later. Probably not even a month. A couple weeks later. She, she's doing the same thing, having the same system, acting the same way, mm-hmm. and and. And she, and she pretty much pooped herself, and yeah, she had feces all over. It was, it was just insane. So the ambulance came again. Yeah. And this time they took her to um, Greenwood. Mm-hmm. And, A different uh, one though. Yeah, because she didn't. She was not going to go to Greencastle. Mm-hmm. She was not going to go because she didn't want to meet that doctor again. Right. So she goes to Greencastle. I mean um, Greenwood. So she's in there for another two days. And this time, um, it was really weird. She was waiting outside for me to come and pick her up. Oh, so you didn't get to talk to the doctors this time? No, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. And uh, so I helped her in the, in, the, in the car, got her, we got started pulling away. And, uh, and we just got on the, the um, side street there. And she goes, we need to make a stop. I said, what are you talking about? And make a stop. I need to go see Joe. And she's on the phone. And she's talking to this Joe. Mm-hmm. And she goes, when you go see Joe, I, ne- I, ne- I got to get a pill. I got to get my stuff. I said, uh, we ain't going. No, you're, no. Uh-uh. You lose, lost your mind. Right. You lost your mind. You went through all this, and now you wanted to go and. Do it again. Do it again. Right. And uh, she goes, well, let me out. And I'll just walk. 
I said, the only place I'm going to let you out is in the driveway at home. Mm-hmm. I'm not, t- uh-uh, ain't going to work. Yeah. Well, she got pretty upset with that. So what, where did you end up? Did you take her home? Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was not stopping. No, I was not stopping. Yeah. And, um. So it's the second time. That's you, the second time. You know, <laughs> this second time you knew what was going on, that this is probably mm-hmm. a drug overdose of some kind or a reaction to the drug she was on. She was taking something that she wasn't supposed to be taking. Right. So you know the second time what it is. I know what was going on. Let's right. Put it that way. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to build some knowledge. Yeah. You know? see a pattern. Okay. And then, so you guys get home. What is like the conversation? Like, are you talking there about? There is no conversation. There is, the topic is not being discussed. The topic is being ignored by all means. On her part. On her part. Yeah. And while she was in the hospital, I got her, I took her phone and I cleared out all the people that I know that are a little sketchy. Sketchy. Mm-hmm. Took them out. Took them out of her phone. And then this, and there was this, well, that's a different type of story. But, um, and then she found out later that evening when, after she got home that I erased a bunch of her contacts. Mm-hmm. So she put a lock on her phone and told me that this is hers, this is my, this is my phone. My stuff on this phone is is my stuff, and you don't even know about it. Okay. I'm thinking, okay. Right. Apparently, I missed something in in that phone. Right. I have no idea what that'd be. Well, I got a clue, of course. Right. But I can't confirm it. So, okay. So, she's being defensive. Oh, very. Closed off. Kind of even hostile. Like, at the explain your relationship at this time. Because... It's not like a normal relationship anymore. What is the dynamic? Uh, a lot of resentment. Um, no conversation by no means. Your house is just quiet. You're it's just quiet. Sitting around in this. She's doing her thing on her phone. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. That's the whole the whole thing. And that's been going on for months. It's a while now. Okay. Okay, so second time, she gets goes to the hospital, goes home. You won't take her to get her pills. What happens after that? Well, apparently she got something. Mm-hmm. Because they do, always. Yeah, and, and the ironic thing about it is I found it. Okay. And it wasn't a pill. It, it looks like a dingy brown powder. Uh-huh. And it was heroin. Yeah. yeah, and it was not a small bag. Okay. And so I'm thinking, what the hell? And she's in the bedroom on her phone. Right. And I said, what is this? I was kind of a little testy. Yeah. I said, what is this? It's my medicine. This is not medicine. What is this? <laughs> yeah. It's my medicine. Okay. You're not gonna tell me, are you? I told you, it's my medicine. It's for my back. This is not a pill. Right. This is, no. Yeah. This is, I had a feeling what it was, but I'm I'm not into that stuff, so I have no clue. Right. Um, so I flushed it down the toilet. 
and oh my lord, she went bananas. I bet. And I hate to think what I paid for that. Because <laughs> then another thing that's happening in all this is that she's not working. No. She's essentially stealing money from you. A lot of it. To continue this habit. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So you. So you. She had manipulated you in some way. Because by this point, you had started catching on and not giving her your debit card, limiting her access to the bank because you were noticing lots of money yes, coming out of your bank account. More than I was making. And um, so she, all, all the while, she's kind of finding different ways to manipulate you to get money, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what you mean. Okay. The so. thing of it is I was doing, even though these, these signs were coming up, I still wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt, right. give her the chance, give her the opportunity to make things right. And it was never the case. It was always denial mm-hmm. or I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I, it, it, it's just, it was, in, it was just ironic how it, it started to f- fall together. Mm-hmm. The more I, the more I learn the more I realize I kind of been played for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Years. So, okay, we'll get back to that, but we're just kind of trying to fill in the story first, and then we'll go back through. So, okay, she's been in the hospital twice. You mm-hmm. find a bag of what you now know is heroin. Um, you flush it. She's calling it her medicine. Mm. She freaks out. What happens then? She wasn't back. Well, we didn't talk for... A while. Yeah. Actually, more or less than normal now. Yeah. At this point, so somehow, some way, a week later, she's going through the same symptoms again. And this time, I don't know what it was. She had a seizure. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the phone with nine one one, and the ladies telling me talk to her talk to her get her breathing again and this is this this is the end of all ends of everything mm-hmm. um i thought i lost her i i really did yeah but i kept finally i got her to breathe mm-hmm. and then the ambulance showed up and, and um that was that was a scary day, mm-hmm. and um, so she went back to the hospital. She cleaned up, got her healthy again, and uh, picked her up, took her home. We went home, and I just told her that day when she got when we finally got home and, so, and got she got settled in. I said, "I am not ever, ever going through this again. Mm-hmm. Now this is not happening. Mm-hmm. No more." Um, what did she say? She didn't say anything. Other, oh, other than the fact I screwed up, didn't I? Uh, kind of an understatement, but yeah, right. pretty much. So she's acknowledging it a little bit more. Yes, that last time, yeah. Um, yeah, so then this... This... 
head, what really bring it, well, it was already at the head, but what finally made made it all explode and, and enough's enough is she was um, beginning to belittle me and telling me I don't care, I want to see her dead. I'm just talking weird, weird stuff. So I knew something, she was on something, I don't know what it was. She was just being mean to you. Or just flat out being mean or, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's just, there's no, there's no unity. It, yeah. And it hadn't been there for a long time. But I kept getting, you know, hope, being hopeful, maybe things will spin around. Mm -hmm. Maybe she'll acknowledge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So this, this is still summer, 2020. You now have experienced three overdoses now that you, mm. you, you now know, you, you know, you, sir, you witnessed yeah. those. And then she's been to the hospital three times. Um, you're kind of doing this alone. So I don't, you haven't told me anything at this point. You're just kind of getting through this. This is also COVID. So everyone's kind of at home. You're kind of separated from people. Um, so how are you feeling? Just you, like, what is your mental health like? What are you doing to cope? Like, how is this impacting you at this point? Well, it really does make it hard to focus on my responsibilities. Yeah. Because in the back of my mind, I'm, all, I'm always thinking of what could I have done different? What should I have done? How can I correct this issue? Yeah. Why can I get her to acknowledge that there is a problem? And maybe she does, and but she's not saying it out loud. Right. Or, you know, it's just a whole bunch. Am I doing something? I'm always questioning what I am doing. What is this? I should be doing more or better. Yeah. Uh, um, it, yeah. It makes it very complicated to to do my day-to-day -day responsibility. So interesting because I don't know that you understood what I was going through with my husband, Charlie. And, um, but you know, it's like, I think you and I are very similar in that we are, we were talking about this this morning, we're really high functioning. Yes. And, um, you know, I was opening a business and my husband was missing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the things that you just do, but the same things you're saying. At the same time, I was like, what am I not doing right? What is, what What could I have done differently? Maybe I should have said something differently or, you know, you just kind of think it's you. I don't know. But I did the same thing that you did. I thought, mm. what did I do wrong? And it's not us at all. We know that now. It's not, it has nothing to do with us. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. You get that. And, and between what you've experienced, which is, I'm kind of playing off of what you've experienced, because what you've experienced is teaching me how to cope with what I'm going through. Yeah. And trying to be understanding that it's not my fault. Right. I didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You've only loved and supported her and yeah. done what you thought is best. This is true. And then 
but sometimes you, when when that when the situation goes on like this, that's so not understanding by no means. Mm-hmm. But the more you learn, the more you understand what's going on. Right. Um, it all makes it. You, you come to realize that it's not me. Yeah. You know, I, I am doing. I am the responsible one. Right. You know, and um. But when you're in the thick of it all, yeah. You don't feel that way. I know. It, it it's it's just not there. Yeah. It's chaos. Very. And very it's much. not your own chaos, and you're like, what in the heck is going on? All right, so it's summer, three overdoses, you've seen a seizure, she's come back, she's at least acknowledged that she messed up, that's basically it. You kind of know whether you really get it or not yet, you know that she's addicted to drugs and she's doing something that's not pills, which you now know is heroin, and what happens now? Because this is still, you haven't told me anything yet so what happens over summer what leads up the next couple of things and leads you to telling me what's going on Uh, actually that was that day i was telling you that's when it was all going on i mean you were but it was a few months later no it was right there you think oh yeah okay yeah because she wasn't even supposed to be driving because i i forget i grounded her Okay, so this is yeah, interesting. Yeah, grounded, yeah. All right, so then I get pulled in. That didn't work out very well. Listen, but this is the <laughs> manipulation, right? So she reaches out to me. She and I have been close. I have no idea any of this is going on. Basically, she tells me, because she, I had just had a baby during all this, mm-hmm. and she'd been wanting to see him, and we'd been trying to coordinate a time for her to come. Mm-hmm. And she's in the hospital all the time. And I don't know what's going on, right? So she's just telling me, you know, and COVID's happening. Yeah. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, shit, does she have COVID? Because she's like, I have pneumonia. I have the stories she's just making up. It's just like, again, causing all this chaos and confusion. And I'm just like, what is going on? Does she have COVID? Does she? Then she had been over at our house and she left. She came over to hang out with the baby. And. She left, like, halfway through the day, and, um, which I thought was weird, but at the time I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And then, anyways, a few more weeks go by. She'd been, um, supposed to be coming over for, like, a month now, and I have no idea what's going on. She's in and out of the hospital. I ask her what's going on, and she's, like, saying stuff that doesn't make sense, and I'm just like, what in the hell? So, anyways, um... She comes, she's, you're out of town for work. Mm-hmm. And she wants to spend the night at my house and hang out with the baby while you're at work. What I don't... While I'm out of town? Yeah. Right. But you weren't actually out of town, is what I know now. No. You were home. Mm-hmm. And um, she was supposed to come over. So I have a four-month-old at this point who mm-hmm. goes to bed at like 6 p.m. and is up for like three hours at a time and so she was gonna come over in the morning hang out all day spend the night and see the baby the next morning you know she's gonna spend like two days Mm -hmm. and um 
she keeps texting me. So it's like noon. She she texts me in the morning. Hey, I'll be over around noon. Okay, noon goes by. It's 2 p.m. It's 3 p.m. She's like, I'm slow getting, you know, all these excuses. And then it's 5 p.m. I've put the baby down to bed. It's 7 p.m. She calls me and she says, I, I'm lost. I don't know how to get to your house. She's been to my house a hundred times. Yep. And she's like calling again an hour later. I'm, I'm still lost. I don't know where I am. I'm getting to, we have GPS. It just stuff doesn't make sense. She shows up and it's like nine o'clock. The baby's been in bed for like three hours. And it's nine o'clock. She's, there's clearly something. She's clearly high. And that is the first time I'm like, okay. This is, she's very fucked up. And um, she goes, she sleeps until like one, noon or one the next day. Mm-hmm. Again, the baby's been awake. <laughs> he woke up, been awake and napped again. And she's awake huh. now. And uh, then she leaves like an hour later. So she doesn't actually spend any time with him. And uh, it was weird because the next day she texted me and she was like, Hey, I don't usually sleep that late. Like, she was very, like, defensive. And I didn't care, but she was very, like, um, self-conscious, I guess, about the fact that she slept so late at my house. And she was, like, texting me at, like, 7 a.m. the next day, like, Hey, look, I wake up at a normal time. So that was very strange to me. Anyways, there were some red flags for me, too. Mm -hmm. And then you come over and kind of spill all this stuff, and I... Start putting these pieces together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyways, that was kind of my perspective of that little bit of time. That's when everything was pretty much coming to the head. Yeah. And so, okay. So then you tell me. And why does it take you so long to tell me? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm thinking maybe you had enough going on that you really didn't want to hear it. You shouldn't be involved in this. Because when, um, when she went to the, the when I called the emergency to have her uh, ambulance to the hospital, I called all of her family members, members okay. and told them what was going on. Well, that did not set very well with Cassie. Yeah. Because the family is very upset with her to the point that they don't even want to talk to her, mm-hmm. according to her, um, and show no. They, they just kind of like just dropped her like a hot potato. Which isn't and, true. We know that's is, not true. No, it's not true. I mean, that was the whole point of of calling the family to to support her and show her that we're here for her. All she has to do is just show acknowledgement, and and we'll get through this. Mm-hmm. But that was that was not not to be by no means. Yeah. So she's still in denial to a point, I think. So then, why did you tell me? That was the point where I'm thinking I need educated. Mm-hmm. I need this is beyond anything I've ever experienced. It, some of the stuff don't even make any sense mm-hmm. by no means. So that's the reason I reached out to you, thinking maybe you'll give me some some insight on 
what you've experienced so I can apply those situations into yeah. what I'm going through. What do you know about what I've experienced at that point? Because I don't think I ever like sat down and shared everything with you. So what did well, you know? It was some of the key points that you were, when we did the intervention uh, group m meeting and, and things were being said there, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's that's a lot of insight. Yeah. And, uh, and the only way anyone gets that type of insight, you experience it. Mm hmm And um, so I found that to be um, quite educational. Yeah, the intervention with my husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but what did you, did you know, I mean, because I know that I had shared some things with Kathy, but was she sharing those things with you, like what I was some, going through? Some of it. Okay. Um, yeah. So what are your feelings like being my dad, knowing that I'm dealing with this? What are, what are you thinking? I think it's, it's not a perfect world. There's always things that have come up that creates a challenge. Mm -hmm. And and what those challenges are, it varies from person to person, year to year. Yeah. But it's part of growth. It's part of learning. Um, if it was all easy, everyone could do it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a good learning tool. The best way to learn is by experiencing stuff. Does it sadden me that you had to experience something like that? Of course, by all means. But there was a positive in there. There's always a positive in something. Yeah, but you just have to see now that, that you've experienced it and you know how ugly it is, do you, if you would have realized that when I was going through it, would you have, would your opinion have changed? No, no. You would have. Nobody's perfect, by no means. Uh, I'm definitely not perfect. I mean, everyone messes up and you just learn from it. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, that's part of growth. Yeah. It's, I've always said many times, you cannot help those who choose not to seek help. Yeah. If you're seeking help, you gotta, you, you got a great chance of getting over whatever the issue is. Right. You're at least working towards something. Yeah. Which... Like, me back in my youth, you know, I was a party man, but it got to the point to where it was not too good I outcome, know. but I learned from it, I corrected it, and I had three great kids, and I can't, I can't, I can't ask for any more than that. So let's. Do you care if we talk about this stuff? The you, like your your experience. My stuff. Yeah. Uh, and me. Let because... me let me knock off the dirt. <laughs> it's kind of uh, mm. now that you're oh, warmed the up. Black, black widows. <laughs> it grew. Oh no. Um. She got a family in that cobweb. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So I remember my my mom talking to. To us as younger kids I think I was in middle school and explaining to us that you had you had like you were an alcoholic well 
That's what the court said. <laughs> and, well, so she's explaining to us that you suffered from alcoholism. You were sober. You didn't ever, I didn't, hardly ever saw you drink at all in my childhood. I didn't. I didn't see you drink at all, ever. And mom explained that, you know, you had a problem with alcohol and that addiction ran in our family on both her side and your side and that we needed to be mindful of it as a disease. I don't, this is very forward thinking of my mom. I don't, this is so crazy, but That's this conversation. Odd, odd that it came up. Like, this hmm? conversation I, has stuck with me. Out of the blue. Yeah, but she told us that. And she, I remember sitting in our room, I can picture our room in our house that we lived in. And she's explaining that, you know, your dad had some troubles. He got through it. You, this is in both of our families. You need to be mindful of substances because addiction runs in our family and I didn't really know what that meant and I learned later more about what happened with you mm -hmm. in your early teens but then like I guess I never really I didn't never really understood a little bit more than that until way into my adulthood so what is your relationship with drugs and alcohol and addiction what is what is like when you were a kid did you were you witnessing your parents like did you either of your parents suffer like what was what's your experience with it no um mom never did drink it was very rarely yeah um my dad i do remember him drinking um mostly beer more in the afternoons after work um was he an alcoholic uh, I didn't know what that meant back then. Yeah. In my, at, at my age then, but later on, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was an asshole. Was oh, big time. And his brother, and his brother also, and he was even worse, actually. Yeah. And so, so that runs, that runs in, on my dad's side of the family. And then my mom's side of the family, I think there were, there was a couple that, um, had um, uh, alcoholism uh, issues, yeah. um, but I think, from far as I can, from what I can recall, I think they pretty much overcome that. Yeah. And now they're just senior citizens enjoying retirement. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's different because but, you know yeah. we're talking two generations ago. Your what you just said. You know, when you were a kid, you didn't know what alco an alcoholic was. No. You kind of, no clue. everybody had a family member who drank a lot and was drunk all the time. But you don't, you didn't really know what that, I mean, that was just whoever that was. That was just them, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I think addiction is such a main, such a, like, it's just way more in the open. We're talking about it more. I mean, obviously, we're sitting here in my closet talking about it. Of course. This, you, this yeah. didn't happen with you and your parents. You know, it, so it just changed a lot. This the education around it, the acknowledgement of it has changed. So now, when you look back, what you know now, what you say your dad is, was an alcoholic. Yes. Yeah. And then, did he ever seek help? Did anyone ever acknowledge that? Was that? No, that was. No one ever talked about then, it. Back then, it was the norm, I guess. It's, you know, it's the man in the family. Why you want to question him? He's bring you in the yeah. potatoes, you know? 
How much did that impact you and influence how you became? Um, I think it really impacted me when he passed away because it was, um, that was a um, quite violent situation. But um, um, I think if he was still around throughout my youth of growing up, mm -hmm. I think because he was a firm man. Yeah. He was a firm man. I would think he would uh, knock me down a couple notches to yeah. make me see, uh, you're messing up, son. Right. Straighten up. Right. And I didn't have that. So so here I am. I'm I'm exploring this, and i got all this going on. And, and then the driver's license come in. Hallelujah. Right. You know? So you're drinking, but you're experimenting with alcohol before you were even, at what age? Uh, fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. yeah. Fifteen, yeah. And that's just because, like, the friend, it was there, right? There was always alcohol there. Yeah. No matter where I was, we'd go see grandma and grandpa. My uncle would come over and he'd have his Southern Comfort and yeah. whiskey sour mix or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. But yeah, it was a hell of a buzz though. So you were around it, and adults supported you as a teenager drinking. It was pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so fast forward, you get your driver's license. Still, maybe you're out of high school now. No, I was still in high school when I got my driver's license. No, no, yeah. I know, but you, so do you get in trouble for drinking and driving in high school? No, oh, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. So, but you're drinking I... still, like partying and things. No, not really. Okay. I mostly worked. I did a lot. I worked a lot. Okay. Minimum wage wasn't very much there then. <laughs> Still isn't. Yeah, right. Um, no, I didn't really. I didn't really start really hitting it really hard until um, I was a bartender. That's where it really. That's really. I turned in full throttle. Yeah, the party scene and drinking oh, all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. And so what happened? You started getting in trouble. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. what, what kind of trouble did you get into? Well, well drinking while intoxicated. You mean and, driving while intoxicated? Yeah, that one too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then, ironically, the town to which all this was unfolding is being a bartender, you meet all of the police officers. <laughs> County, oh, the judge. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows who you are. Right. So, and then they know when you get off and, yeah. And so you got they caught. know that if he worked that night, he's pretty lit. Yeah. Yeah. So you got caught. You go to jail. Mm hmm How long were you, how many times did you get caught with the DUI? Uh, f three. Three times. You know, did you know the old saying, you know, a regular person gets one DUI, an alcoholic gets more than one? I don't know. <laughs> I always I always thought, uh, strike three, you're, uh, you better get it right. Yeah. Okay, so you strike three, so what I happens? I did, um, well, luckily enough, this judge that knows me by name, um, so I'm, I'm there, I'm in front of the court, and... And he looks at me, Judge Bowles. 
Mm-hmm. And he got hair one on his head. Mm-hmm. And he's a short little dude, chubby. And he goes, Fred, I'm going to tell you right here and now. I said, he goes, you're way too young to be going to prison right now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, where's my damn attorney at? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he goes, uh, this is what we're going to do. Uh, we all are we all are in agreement that you will spend the next 12 months at a recovery work release center or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like a halfway house. Yeah, pretty much. So you lived in a halfway house. For a year. And you worked. Two jobs. And you stayed sober. Straight as an arrow. And then what happened? That was my calling. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew that. At this point, did you say, I have a problem with alcohol? Or were you, what was your mentality around what was happening? I need to straighten up. Yeah. I need to fly right. I need to be responsible. And I did. Okay. But you're not like, you weren't going to AA. You weren't working 12 steps. No. uh -uh. Would you call yourself an alcoholic? No. At this point. No, because I cleaned up. Okay. So in your mind, because you could quit, you weren't, you didn't have a problem with it. No, uh-uh. Okay. None. I just, the environment that I was in that I went, got carried away within. Yeah. Okay. And so then you're living a halfway, like work release program for a year. Then what happens? Because you I met think, your mom. Well, no, you went to jail. No, I didn't. I thought you said you did. No. Never? Never. You're bluffing. You're just doing that for the podcast. No, I <laughs> never did go. Well, halfway house is jail. <laughs> okay. I thought you spent some time in jail. Uh-uh. Never been in jail. That was the whole point of... The halfway house. The halfway house. That was my last step of not going into jail. Okay. All right. So I just... Okay. Yeah. Then okay. I lost my license for 10 years. So My whole childhood, you didn't have your license. For 10 years. Yeah, my yeah. whole child, like the first 10 years of my life. Nope. But but you were driving. <coughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay, so you meet my mom. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, <coughs> Ma, for some reason I have this feel, like this perception that mom like didn't want you to drink. Was that true? I wasn't even drinking when I met your mom. But did she know what had happened? Like, how did you tell mom about that? Did she understand? It just came up during conversation. Oh, I know what it was. We was going on this date one night, and I couldn't because I, I, I couldn't get out of work release center. <laughs> you were living at the work release center? Oh, yeah. When you met my mom? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I know, right? She did. Oh, my God. So what did she think of it all? Did she say anything? No, not really. Did she understand? Well, I'm sure she did. But you told but her. But I like, cleaned up. I, I was already clean. Yeah. All right. So you're sober. Mm. And then you, she gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. You're sober through your whole relationship with my mom. Yeah. The whole time. So 18 years. Every day. How are I kind of. Okay. So how are you dealing with that? Does that impact you? Is that hard? Is that. What's hard? Is it. Was it. Was it something you thought about, like, when you were not drinking at all, like... Did I think about drinking? No, was it some... Did you... Were you thinking, like... Well, I don't know. What's your mindset during those 18 years of not drinking? I'm going to raise my family to the best of my ability. Okay. That was my main goal. 
that that was that, that was all that's important to me. And then did you think drinking would prevent you from doing that at that time? Did you I guess drinking wasn't even it wasn't an option. Yeah. All right. Family's first always. But you know, some people they just drink socially. Mhm. And they do that like at family gatherings and I remember our neighbors would get together and drink but I don't remember you ever doing that mm. was is there once a re- in a great while I would I drink a couple beers but that'd be about it so why like what what kept you from was it just that you didn't want to get in trouble like I had just no desire okay and I wasn't in a party I wasn't at a party I wasn't in a party scene I wasn't so it's very environmental for you yeah extremely oh yeah all right then you and my mom get divorced hmm and yeah. I remember living with you, and you were drinking again. Yeah. You kind of were drinking a lot. Mm, yeah. Why did you start drinking again? Your mama's <laughs> jacked me up. Okay, so this time it's not, you no, know, it's, there's no party at our house. <laughs> nah, it's sense of knocking off the edge, I guess. Yeah, as a coping uh, mechanism. Yeah, as a coping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your relationship with alcohol today? It still knocks off the edge. It's a coping mechanism. Oh, hell yes. Oh, yeah. So do you think that you have a problem with alcohol? You know, I thought about that the other night, actually. What do you... What are your no, thoughts on it? I don't... No. Nah. Oh, if I had a problem, I'd already be lit right now. Yeah. But, no. I just, it's just, just, it's, uh, shut down the thought process. Yeah. Pretty much. And it really helps me sleep at night, so I'm, because if I don't unwind or numb out or whatever, however you want to describe it, or... Uh, my mind, my brain just is like 220. Well, I mean, it is wired. I know we kind of got off subject here talking about Kathy, but I think that it's important to understand the whole picture of your relationship with addiction throughout your life. How it plays into the way you deal with things today and in the past, you know, to help get through hard times, to take the edge off, to everything, just to kind of get a big picture of your relationship with it. But and uh, your understanding of when, like how to use it, I guess, like how to use something like that. Because I think that if Kathy came to you and said, I take heroin to take the edge off or to deal with my pain, there's What's the prescribed, difference? There, there, there are prescribed subscriptions that'll do the same thing. Yeah. That are non-addictive. Yeah. So what if I said to you, Dad, there's a prescription you could take to help you with your anxiety. I don't do pills. To help nope. you relax that are non-addictive that I'm on. Because we have we share the same mental afflictions. Damn it. What would you say to that instead of using alcohol? No, because I don't want to be a pill popper. It's not a pill popper. I'm a, no, that's a pill popper. No, it's not. 
So I'm a pill no. popper? Yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> nah. All right, we can keep talking about that at a different time. <laughs> it's a it difference is, it is, in our you're generation. You're right. You're right. You're right. I just, yeah. You make a valid point. Let's put it that way. Here's the thing, you know. But the, that is always on my mind. What? Huh? What? Don't don't get carried away drinking your. Don't snuck off the edge and call it a day. And, well, I would say that those are obsessive thoughts about it. So, like, you're trying to control. Maybe if I had a stress-free environment, I'd be just happy. No one has a stress-free environment. That's not life. There's there's normal stress-free. Yeah. And then there's abnormal stress-free. And then there is this extreme bullshit that just came out of there, went, just fell out of the sky. Well, I... I agree with you that <laughs> dealing with a heroin addiction I'm is trying, highly stressful. I'm trying to get down to my normal stress. And dealing with I a like divorce is highly stressful. Yeah. I get it. I'm not I'm just challenging you for the sake of exploring the idea. I Here's my thing. If I felt like you had a if you were a raging alcoholic, if you were being if you were, what they say in the program is, um, it's like when, what is it? It's like, I can't, now I just drew a blank, but it's basically when your life, uh, when your life becomes unmanageable, right? Mm, so yeah, has alcohol that's... made your life unmanageable? No. I think it has in the past. And no, I didn't No, That was, that was the role back then. I know, but it did, it did cause you. Party on. It did cause you a lot of problems. Yes. <laughs> now, are you meeting your responsibilities? Are you holding a job? Are you, you know, making responsible choices? I say yes. So yes. if I if I was gauging whether or not you needed to go into a rehab program, I would say no. Mm. But do I think that you use alcohol as a tool? And maybe in an unhealthy way sometimes, I would say yes. Yeah, well, that is a valid point. But there's, I get it. That, that's a valid point. And it, but it's just something for you to think about. Like, mm -hmm. there are other ways to deal with stress and anxiety. I think maybe what you didn't know before, because it wasn't as talked about as much, is that thing that you feel, that wound up thing. That's anxiety. That's what I have. That oh, is yeah. that feeling of um, constant thought and obsession and like nonstop thinking and the just it feels like very fast paced in your brain. You know, like if you let it run wild, you're just going to be zooming around. No, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty complete thought process. Yeah, That's but it's pretty, all the time. Pretty it detailed. Doesn't <laughs> stop. Yeah. Constantly thinking and. Uh, worrying and rehashing and like all of that is anxiety. Uh, the last big one I had, it was pretty intense. I didn't even sleep. I was so wild. So couldn't stop thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Don't slow it down. Thanks for talking to me. 
No, I think being uh, vulnerable. I think we vulnerable. Yeah. I figure <clears throat> all experiences, all experiences that are lived, is for a purpose, and it's a learning tool to overcome the future. Mm-hmm. And I think stands pretty true. Yeah, I agree. So what are you, where, what are you, where are you today? What are you doing now? What are you waiting for? You and Kathy, are, I think we, we kind of skipped this part, but yeah, we did, I've, filled, didn't we? I've filled this, I've talked about this <coughs> well, on the podcast, but you know, you're living I, with me. I did have an exciting youth <laughs> <laughs> to a point. Yeah, but Not, you're, so you're living with me. You yes. haven't talked to Kathy in a long time since you've no, been here. I, no. So what, what are you doing now? What are you, where are I'm you? waiting for this miracle call that says that has, I'm willing to get, seek help or willing to get treatment to overcome this. Mm-hmm. And I want you here to support me if you're willing to type conversation. <laughs> what what do you how long are you gonna wait for that so you essentially you're saying i'm gonna <coughs> sit here with my daughter and to and give her a chance to call me yeah and we're gonna do podcasts so we can feel better <laughs> and we're doing house projects and, and house projects <laughs> yes. keeping you busy <laughs> but yeah so how long though do you have that, a time that's frame? the question i don't what is an acceptable time frame I think that's a that's that's my that's my big thought or had been a thought. What is acceptable? I think that's is it a case by case scenario or is it a person person scenario? I mean, well, for me, so I was going through this, and while I wasn't waiting for him to say. I'm ready to get treatment because he was in treatment all the time. Mm. What I was waiting for was when are you going to take treatment seriously? And what's the gauge that I use for that? But my, for me, it is very personal. So what are your life? It's like what I considered at the time was, well, okay, I'm in my late twenties. Mm. I'm married. I want to have kids. There is sort of a, a, a biological clock on my goals you know like of course so yes. you think about that so for me it was like well wh- how long do i keep this going because if it doesn't work out with him you know then we get divorced and then i have to meet someone else to like start my family you know so those considerations came into play for me but so i think you consider where are you at in your life what are you doing what do you want to be doing how much time do you have to wait on someone mm yeah, when you get old like me, there, yeah, your days no. are numbered. Or yeah. even me, when it's like I, I want to have a kid right. and I got like eight years, but if I get divorced and then I meet someone, you know, like you start mm. that yeah. that planning. Oh. But um, okay. I don't know. I think it's very individual. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. I think it's if personally, I feel that I have done over and above. A normal person. You mean you've supported her and yes, and been patient. 
to the point to where it's not it's not it, just, it needs action mm-hmm. there needs to be action but how long do you wait for this action to occur there's the big question there's how much am I willing to put my stuff or what I want to achieve mm-hmm. whatever that may be um, on standby because you're kind of pausing your life. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm doing what I need to do. As a, for my career. Right. You're keeping your job and. Yeah. yeah. So how long do I? How how long does one, truly wait? It's based on, your partner's. Response, or. Mm-hmm some acknowledgement Mm -hmm. but then again how long does that when is it's time when is it time to say it's it's time to go on it's time to move i don't know let's say that for another podcast will you come back yeah okay maybe i'll have an answer for that (laughs) i don't know yeah okay the future is unknown I think no matter what, your future is bright. Yes, I have. You. I've been very, I will say I've been very blessed. Mm-hmm. Very blessed. Well, thank you, Dad. I love you. Love you more, Thanks for as coming. always. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.